I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he and they pronouns, and you're listening to Rad Child Podcast. So this week we're talking about the pandemic and social distancing and just sort of everything that's been um, going on with the coronavirus. And I have some wonderful guests with me today, and I'm going to invite them to introduce themselves. We're just going to do our name, our uh, our pronouns, where we're from, and uh, our connection with kids. I'm Liz. I am a preschool English as a foreign language teacher and a children's book illustrator. And I go by her. And, and uh, where are you located? I'm located right now in Austria. Hi, I'm uh, Mira Sriram. I live in California. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a children's writer. I primarily write picture books. I'm also an early literacy educator. Uh, and I, I often do story times um, and preschool uh, literacy programs in libraries and in the community center. Thanks for having me, Seth. Yeah, thanks for being here, both of you. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm excited to get into it. So before we sort of get into the topic itself, uh, I always sort of ask ask this same starting question because we talk a lot on the podcast about um about, you know, questions that might catch us off guard that children might ask. And so this doesn't have to necessarily be related to the topic. It can be about anything. But um, has there ever been a time where a child has asked a question that you were not prepared to answer? Uh, this is completely unrelated to the pandemic. But um, but since you asked uh, maybe once, I did have a kid ask me something that I was not prepared to answer. I was actually visiting my uh, son's fifth grade classroom to do a presentation on um, religions of India. So I was born and raised in India, and I moved to the mm. U.S. about two decades ago. And the teacher and invited me to do this presentation because they were learning about religions of India. So I went in and I did a little presentation on all the religions of India, included Hinduism. And at the end of it... Um, one kid got up and asked me um, what caste I was born into. And this is something that makes me very uncomfortable and I don't identify with a caste and I wasn't prepared to talk about it because uh, to me, answering the question was identifying with something as well as propagating the, uh, the concept itself. Mm. Uh, And uh, yeah, it just caught me off guard. It was something, uh, it was a very difficult conversation for me to have. And I, yeah, yeah, so it was not a one-word answer. We actually uh, went deeper into it, and I had to explain myself. Even though I ended up answering the question, I had to give um, more context and what it was and all of that. So, yeah, sometimes kids can come up with answers that open up very deeper, meaningful conversations. Hey Liz, do you have anything to add to that? Um, so far, not really, no. Luckily, I've not had to answer any questions since I only have the kids for an hour at a time and they don't have a great enough command of English yet. I can always just (laughs) defer it to their parents outside. I can just defer it. So... Yeah, well, it's interesting how it sort of, it also depends on the context, right, where like if you are a parent and your child asks you something, that's very different than if you're an educator and a child asks you something, or even like for me as a nanny, like I, you know, as a uh, as a trans person, like I've had kids ask me things about that because I'm very open about it. And um, I 
have had that moment of like, ooh, like how much information do I share? Like, because I don't know what parents' values are about this, whatever the topic is. You know, if a kid asks me about certain topics, I'm like, well, I know what my answer would be, but I don't know if that's a, a conversation that you want to have with your own kids. I don't right. want to. Definitely. You know. It can be very so difficult it, to decide yeah, where the yeah. line is. Yeah. Yeah. I think as an educator or as someone who's not a parent, I mean, as a parent, it's still hard. Um, but sometimes it's hard to draw that line of, well, where is my sort of place in answering these kinds of questions? Right. Um, yeah. For sure. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to both of you sort of how, uh, how you have either have explained sort of what's going on in the world right now to kids in your life, or if you haven't, how you would, how, you know, what would be a good explanation if a kid asked you uh, sort of what's happening right now? Yeah, I could take that. Uh, so with my own kids, uh, it's obviously it was a difficult conversation, but the thing is that uh, our conversation started very early on, more like in mm. January, because I have a teenager who had made plans to travel to Europe for an exchange mm. program. And with everything that was happening already, um, oh, and I was, uh, I had tickets to travel to India in March, uh, mm. which I had to cancel mm. as well in February. So the, f- the conversation just from what was happening in Asia and in Europe, we were tracking uh, updates, we were tracking how fast things were changing. And uh, this kind of prompted us to uh, start a conversation very early on uh, with our kids. So at that point, the lockdown was announced in California. The, the, the news was still about Asia and Europe. And uh, mm. we were mostly talking to kids uh, uh, about the science behind this, what is a pandemic, um, what's the, why is this particular virus so dangerous and, uh, and how it's affecting people, particularly from the travel point of view and how, uh, you know, things were changing, beginning to change even in the U.S. at that point. So we yeah. used uh, maps, we used articles, we were listening to the news. And like I mentioned earlier, my kids are uh, 15 and 11. So the conversation mm-hmm. was very fact-driven, very science-driven, very mm-hmm. practical, that sort of a thing. Uh, the emotional aspect of it came on much later when uh, we actually canceled the tickets. So my high schooler mm-hmm. had her exchange program canceled. My trip to India was canceled, which means we weren't seeing our family in any time soon. Um, my they, the, the school closed they switched to online earning which my son had really uh, uh, trouble transitioning to so then um, with our lockdown came the emotional conversation about uh, what it is to be indoors isolated not see friends travel not go out you know that sort of a thing and again the gravity of the situation and the importance of being isolated came on much later yeah I think uh, for adults, when um, when like plans change or like you're hoping for something to happen and it doesn't happen, it like I feel like we at least for me, like I think about like oh how privileged I am that I still can do yeah. something else. But for kids, it's harder to see and appreciate privilege totally. uh, because uh, inherently sometimes they are so uh, caught up in their life and like their. I mean, their world, right? They've Not to say that they're self-centered, but they are limited to what they can do and, you know, their plans, their life. And then for them to look at the bigger picture sometimes gets very challenging. That's hard, yeah. 
for sure. And I, I think I think that that's why we should explain it as best as we can to them so that they understand that their whole routine hasn't been upset for no reason. If it's just for mm-hmm. the cold, if you tell the children, oh, it's just the flu or it's just the cold, they're going to be, I think, a lot more upset because usually you don't have to stay home in quarantine for the flu or for a normal illness. And it is, if you think about it, the majority of their lives have followed this same routine or a similar mm-hmm. routine, go to school, yeah. play with friends, etc. All of a sudden, they're having that all taken away from them. And I think that's upsetting for just about anyone. And if you're younger, it's much more difficult to accept. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's, right. I, I've sort of, um, a lot of people in during this time uh, have made, like you, Liz, have made uh, really awesome resources and different um, books. Most of them are like totally free, which is, which is awesome. Uh, and there's one it was like a social story that a teacher made and it was for, for sort of younger kids. And it was about, uh, it's called COVID-19 same and different. And it's sort of like, these are the things for younger kids. Like these are the things that are still the same. These are the things that have changed, you know, that are different during this time. Um, and I think resources like that and thinking about like, not everything is, is different, right. Um, can be comforting and helpful. Um, and that, I mean, I'll put that in the show notes, but that's also, there's a list on uh, radchildpodcast.com under book recs. Uh, and you can find that list there of all the resources because they've been, they, they're hard to find because a lot of them are like self-published and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's tricky to find them. I actually, I saw a really good one the other day by the author's name is Helen Wu. She wrote a book called Corona Fighters. And oh, she yeah. released it for free. Every, and it's it's wonderful. I think it's better for maybe school-age children. Yes. But I think it's a really good resource. Yeah, that's, it's a little that's bit longer. one of my favorites out of all of them. <laughs> it's, it's very well done. And she also did it very quickly. Um, yeah, I know. I can't believe how fast people are pumping out these books. <laughs> <It's kind of laughs> a lot of free amazing. time. A lot of free time. I love. I love that one. It's really. It's. It's one of my favorites. There's another really good one. I don't want to get too hard into resources right now because <laughs> we'll talk about it a little later. But there's another really good one that just came out called "Coronavirus: A Book for Children." Mm. Um, that's by Elizabeth Jenner, Kate Wilson, and Nia Roberts, and it's illustrated by. Gosh, I can't remember their name, but the illustrator who does the Gruffalo. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw you about know, the that. Gruffalo books. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and that's yeah, another yeah. that's a really awesome one. And the illustrations are excellent. There's so much diversity. There's like kids with cochlear implants and kids with what like different different abilities. And there's, you know, people wearing hijabs. And there's it's just like the illustrations are really, really diverse and inclusive. There's like, you know, women doctors and doctors of color and it's really great. Um so that's something I always look for in books. But of course. Uh, but anyway, I actually, I realized that I am going to backtrack a little bit because I forgot to ask you at the top, um, if you could talk a little bit about your sort of relationship with the topic. Why are you here? <laughs> um, well, I'm here because I wrote a story about the coronavirus for kids. And yeah, this is a good opportunity to share it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and perhaps learn about other resources, how other people have portrayed it, how other people have said to describe it to young kids, because there's so many different ways to explain it. And I think learning how other people are explaining it can be really helpful. And uh, what is the name of that book? Uh, Stay Inside Little Mouse. And is there is there a place that people can... It's yeah. on Amazon, right? It's on Amazon, yes. Okay, great. It's in German, Spanish, and English. I highly recommend the English version because that's my (laughs) mother tongue. The other two are 
bit rushed translations, but they get the point across. <laughs> are they are they still rhyming in the other languages? They're not. I didn't manage okay, to do that. Okay, I was going to say, whoa. <laughs> I tried hard. to at first, but after editing my book three times, I think, in English alone, yeah. um, I decided to just get them translated to the best of my knowledge, <laughs> yeah. have a native speaker look it over, make sure it makes sense for the most part, and then get yeah. it out there. Well, the point of it is the most important part. I was just going to say, wow, you did that. And <laughs> I tried at first, but then I started using obscure words I knew no kid in that <laughs> land would understand. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> just didn't work out. And uh, I'm here because as a children's writer and a parent, I always emphasize on the importance of including uh, addressing and talking about difficult themes in children's books. Mm-hmm. And my own uh, debut children's book was a grief story. Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote it in the hope that it will help families and classrooms uh, talk about uh, grieving, loss, and death, which is a very uh, universal and uh, natural effect of humanity. And uh, with the the current events that are going on with the pandemic and isolation, um, I kind of uh, felt that the emotions that we are going through right now is sort of very similar to grieving. Uh, We are also losing uh, uh, a lot at this point in many ways. And uh, we are uh, trying to deal with our emotions and trying to cope, particularly kids, and I just wanted to do my part in uh, helping children, families, and educators deal with uh, uh, emotional literacy with children at this point. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I thank you again both for being here. Um, I'm, I'm curious, we were talking a little bit earlier about this, um, but about sort of there's a lot of big words happening right now like pandemic quarantine social distancing and do you think that it's you know helpful or harmful or uh you know to use sort of those big words with kids so i personally in the story that i wrote used the big words as i mentioned earlier um Mm -hmm. so that kids actually understand these terms when they hear them because the kids will eventually hear them even if parents want to hide the words from them it it'll come out eventually. And I think it really helps kids cope with this whole situation. If they hear these words, they have a name for everything that they're experiencing at the moment. And the explanations, very much simplified explanations, but then they can understand everything that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that it's, things are scary when we don't know what they are. You know what I mean? I mean, they can still be scary when we know what they are, but especially the not knowing the unknown is very mm-hmm. scary. Um, and I think a lot of these were, you know, quarantine sounds like a very scary word, you know. Um, and I think the the not knowing makes it even scarier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree with Liz completely on this. Uh, and even as a children's writer, uh, when we write stories for younger kids, I personally like to sprinkle uh, words that might sound big or new or hard to pronounce because Mm -hmm. uh, kids are fast learners and they are curious and they love learning new words and it just opens up another place of a point to learn so to speak and uh, same thing with the pandemic uh, terms I think it is better that they hear these words from a trusted resource where they can ask questions 
And so they can connect the dots when they read articles, when they hear uh, uh, news on the radio or on the television, or when they hear other adults speak, then uh, they have a better understanding of what the news is or what they're trying to communicate. And also for consistency, for awareness purposes, I think it is best to expose children to the scientific terms. Yeah, I, I agree. I This is sort of in a different direction, but I very strongly feel the same way about body parts. I know a lot of people um, use different words for vulva and penis when kids are younger sometimes, and then all of a sudden when they're older, it just becomes a different word. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's we don't do that with any other part of our body, um, but I think it's really, you know, uh, you know, in that particular case, it's you know, it's, it's important, I think, to destigmatize the, you know, the idea that there's, you know, something different I about those definitely body parts. Agree with and, that. <laughs> and, and, and also just because, you know, when to know what those parts are, are actually called, mm-hmm. and that there's, there's other, you know, other reasons why that's important, but just in general, I'm a, I'm a fan of, obviously you have to ex- explain if you're just, you can't just throw a big word out there and then I'd explain to a kid yeah. who is, but, um, but I mean, I think that just using the, sometimes we infantilize words for children. And I think just using the real words is, you know, why are we changing them? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then after they're a certain age, teaching them a different word. That's just exactly until, <laughs> until you're everybody. about seven years old, it's called lady bits. And then all of a sudden it gets yeah, right. like, turned into a bunch of other oh things. <laughs> Could you imagine if we did that for all our body parts? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. It becomes almost yeah, a naughty absolutely. word at that point. Right? Yeah. So that's what happens. I, if all of the adults in your life are avoiding saying this word and you finally connected the dots and found figured out what they've been saying and this other word are the same thing, you think, oh, there's a reason they're not saying it. It's the Voldemort of right. holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's what kids go to. That's why little kids always look so embarrassed if they say a body part or something that they've not or that they weren't supposed to learn yet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so talking about sort of uh, explaining these words, I'm curious if you had uh, an example for, for any of the three of a way you know, if a kid came up to you and said, you know, what's a pandemic? What's a quarantine? What's social distancing? You know, how could you explain one of those, anyone that resonates with you? But um, what would be like a kid-friendly way to explain that? Well, for for the virus, at least, um, I think I would actually just explain it as it is like the flu, except it travels much faster. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit stronger. And that's why we need to stay inside, because if we stay inside... It won't, it won't be able to spread very quickly. Yeah. And I think because the virus is just, it is, it's just any sickness that travels. So I think that's Mm -hmm. an easy enough, but accurate enough description for them, depending on how old they are, of course. Yeah, totally. And I think what's nice about the, the amount of resources that people have just been pumping out is that there's really a a vast array of different age ranges that they're appropriate Mm -hmm. for. So there are ones that are, you know, just going to, say something you know something a little more uh simple like that like oh you know you know about a virus and then there are ones that are going to get into the science a little bit more for older kids um 
So I think it's all about being age appropriate and meeting kids where they're at for sure. And I think illustrations or images are the best mm-hmm. resource at the moment. If, if it's Absolutely. really not clear for the kids, then I think an illustration, of course, it speaks a thousand words. So it's quicker for them to understand it. Uh, another way to bring up these terms is actually giving them a context that they can relate to. So I was thinking about for younger kids, we should bring up how uh, they get their shots every year. So talk mm-hmm. about why do they get their shots? Because there was at some point an epidemic or a pandemic or a scary disease, uh, which fortunately we have a vaccine for. But uh, the one that's right now is is hitting the world for the first time. And the scientists are doctors are hard at work finding that shot, uh, which will probably be here mm-hmm. soon. But until then, we take steps to make sure that uh, we we don't spread it, we take care of ourselves, we protect ourselves and our neighbors. Uh, so sort of like before we bring up these terms, we can try to establish a context that is mm-hmm. um, uh, that's something that they can relate to in their own lives. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think that's what, I mean, that's sort of how we connect to each other as adults as well, right? Trying to... Um, you know, relate our experiences and to things that we can, that we can understand. And I think especially with kids, um, it's, it's really important that just bringing it to things that they can kind of under, understand a little bit. And I think that that's, you know, really valuable when you're talking to kids. Right. Definitely. Context is always really important for these things. Yes. So I think that there's sort of it feels like there's this balance a little bit between like, right. We want to reinforce to kids that it's, that it's a serious situation. That it's important that we sort of follow these rules that are in place, but how do we, you know, how do we do that without scaring kids? You know, Mm -hmm. where is that kind of line? Um, So I think one of the things that I do with my older kids is like, I tell them, if we did these things, then we could avoid the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So saying that we are actively working, fighting, dealing with it, uh, trying to solve it kind of uh, slips in that undercurrent of optimism and hope. But at the mm-hmm. same time saying that if we didn't, then we might our situation could be much worse. So... So that also stresses the importance of why we need to do these things. Um, The other thing when talking to younger kids, I feel, is to keep ourselves uh, very calm so we don't Mm -hmm. transmit that anxiety, even if we have it within ourselves, to find the right time window in the day, not when they are hungry or when they are cranky (laughs) or they're already watching a movie, but to find the right (laughs) time and place to bring it up, maintain some calm, present the facts, uh, be there to answer their questions. And even if sometimes they ask these questions that we don't know the answer to, then I think it's a good idea to involve them in the research and in the pursuit of finding that answer that the child has asked. And at the end of it, I think the most important thing is uh, assurance. Like you assure them that things are going to get better. You assure them that this is temporary. We, you assure them that people are working. You assure them there are helpers everywhere. You assure them that we are also contributing to the fight. So, uh, and then be there again to answer their questions. Yeah, I think what you said about um, like children 
and they sort of mirror our energy is so it's so important like I think about this this is you know when a kid gets hurt and if we don't go oh no a lot of times they're just they're totally fine uh especially with younger with younger kids but if we make a big deal out of it then they get upset they see you know our and they mirror that energy. And this is kind of a funny example. I have to find this now, but there, there was a, like a comic that someone drew and it was just a child running and there were two adults, you know, a little ways behind them and a meteor fell on the child. <laughs> oh. And, 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 you know, and the one adult was like, Oh my God. And they were like, Shh, don't say anything. And then the child just like got up and ran away. Um, I actually know the exact, like, because they did make a big, cause like, is, you know, illustrating that point that if you don't make a big deal out of it, like a lot of times, you know, they, they they mirror our energy and they'll be okay. And, I think that's really important for them, you know, to see, not to say that adults can't, you know, feel, uh, you know, feel their feelings about what's going on and uh, share those with kids as well. Like it's, I think it's also valuable to say like, you know, like I am feeling a little scared or I am feeling this way. Um, But at the same time, I think it has to be coupled with that reassurance. Like you were talking about, like things are going to get better and, you know, it is, you know, it's okay to, to be upset or to be scared, but when we're having those conversations to at least try and be, be calm about it. Um, And like you were saying too, I think it's really important to, you know, admit when you don't know something and say like, Hey, let's do a little research about it. Like I'm not a scientist. I don't know exactly what a virus is. Let's look it up. And I think that that can also be a really nice, um, like bonding moment too. Right. We're all learning every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's something really vulnerable about adults admitting that they don't know everything, which we don't spoilers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, do you uh, do you have anything to to add to that, Liz? I just, I, I honestly agree with all that very much. I think you know, stressing the importance of certain things and perhaps even emphasizing the point that they are helping, they are part yeah. of the cure. I guess if you want to give them that responsibility, saying every time they wash their hands, every time they do this stuff, it's helping the scientists um, find the cure faster. Just because you're not contributing to the problem. And I also think trying to keep some sort of normalcy at home is also very important during this time. I I also know personally my, um, the way that I sort of nanny is very, my background is in education. So I'm an art educator. So I, I would get very bored if I was just like sitting with kids eight hours a day. So I, I think I would get very bored and we'd all be stir crazy if we were just sitting there playing with their toys for eight hours a day. And Mm so I, and this is not, you know, not to say that everyone needs to be doing this, but the way that I deal with that is that I have a theme every week. So like this week's theme is dinosaurs and every day we're, you know, we do activities and I have, I sort of have like little, they're 20 months old. So we start the day and I have like little sensory things for them that have to do, like I made a cardboard dinosaur and I have like dinosaur eggs and like things for them to play with. And then we'll do activities around that theme. And that's how I stay sane um, being in a house with kids. But like, I think having some, uh, some kind of a structure, is really really helpful mm-hmm. um, just for everybody because I know if I was just sitting there all day, like, well, I hope I hope you guys entertain yourselves. <laughs> you know? I fun. wish that would be great. <laughs> right. um, and also in talking about doing, you know, in reinforcing that kids are, you know, sort of doing doing those small things to help. I just wanted to. Um, to plug our, there's a really great book uh called the breaking news i don't know if either of you are familiar with it it's by sarah lynn rule and it's it's about 
it's about just that. It's sort of that idea that um, basically throughout the book, uh, this they, this unnamed sort of bad news happens and the kids are, you know, noticing that the adults are sort of glued to their phones and they're looking at the TV and they're clearly upset and they don't know how to make them feel better. And, and then, you know, the little girl sort of goes to school and the teacher is saying, well, you know, there are still, even now, you know, there's still people helping in big ways and small ways. And the little girl sort of tries to come up with big ways she can help. And, you know, she like tries to invent a force field that, you know, pr- protects her family from the bad thing or, you know, uh, and nothing, you know, obviously are you know sort of far-fetched things and they're not really helping it um in the beginning of the book they were sort of all watering a potted plant together and you see in the background that the plant has since you know sort of withered and you know she thinks well maybe i could do a small thing and she waters the plant and you know she lets puts in some light and then she's like well maybe i could do some other small things and she plays with the dog and she reads to her little brother and you know it's all these little little things and then at the end you know she sort of is able to rally the whole family and they go and they plant um they t- get all their seeds and they plant all these plants and they give everybody on the block, you know, some, some plants. And it's just like a very sweet book, but there also this idea that like, there are still little, little things that we can do. Um, you know, and I think, gosh, I can't remember the, but the, the last line of the book is, is something like, you know, at the end of the day, the bad news is still here, but so are we. And, I really like that idea that we can still find small, you know, small ways to help each other and to, to, to do, you know, do things because kids love being helpers. They want to know how they can help. I mean, typically depends on the age, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) There's some threshold for that, but, um, but, you know, not feeling helpless, I think is really important. Definitely. You know, washing your hands and doing these things is, you know, is helping. Um, So we talked a, a little bit about this, but, I mean, obviously we're all, we're all experiencing a lot of feelings at this time. It's very, there's a lot going on and I'm curious, you know, how we can help sort of validate children's feelings during this time. I think honestly, ask them to be honest with you um, Mm. and let them know that you are most likely feeling similar things. Let them know that it's okay to be feeling like this. Still comfort them, but talk about it perhaps get to the bottom of it. Why are you feeling like this? And maybe brainstorm activities together as well to try to help get them out of it a little bit at a time. Um, So, so for me, I think the first step is in allowing them to feel what they are feeling. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a tendency for us. I'm not sure if it's cultural or what, but we have a tendency to, uh, to kind of fix a feeling that's sort of perceived as negative right away. If it's sad or mm-hmm. angry or guilty, then we want to fix that for them. Uh, we want them to cheer up. We want them to be optimistic and kids mm-hmm. are meant to be happy and cheerful. But I think they are at the end of the day, human beings and they have the same emotions <laughs> that we experience you know it's wild how much we forget that they're humans sometimes right so (laughs) we want them smiling and playful all the time but 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 kids need their they have mood swings they have their ups and downs they have their good days and bad days they have their quiet days and their noisy days so sometimes the first thing we can do uh which i'm learning as well is to allow them to be sad if that's how they feel that day if they don't feel as energetic or as a beat as like any other day then it's fine to just let them be um 
And and the second thing is to listen, um, to allow them to feel and then to listen if they have something to say. Uh, mm-hmm. Why are they feeling that way? Or what is it even that they are feeling? Uh, because we all have a hard time putting words, like choosing the right words to explain how we feel, right? It's always a gray area. Uh, and, then, and then kids are going to find it even harder to communicate that. So to just to listen and then to support them. So if they are feeling sad and if they are open to doing something uh, else, then be there to help them transition into a different activity or to uh, do something together, maybe if that's what the child wants. So that sort of a thing. And very interestingly, this actually happened with my son who's 11 Mm. and uh, we were all like my, like, like my daughter, um, my husband and I, we were all sitting together and like drawing and coloring and listening to music, uh, which, which we have been doing a lot lately, just, just anything like crafts, art stuff together Mm -hmm. at the table. And then, uh, and then we were all just having regular conversations and the mood wasn't too heavy or anything. But, um, Right after that, my son kind of walked away and he was by the window in the bedroom for like a long time. And uh, I just checked on him a couple of times and he was like, no, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. And I just let him be. After about like an hour or two, he came down, he said, and he told me I was just sad, but it just felt good to be sad. And uh, Mm. that kind of like, uh, you know, taught me something about how that it's okay to be sad. And that's also something that I talk about when I um, visit classrooms and schools as an author, uh, because uh, my first book was about grieving. And I always tell kids that this is normal, like to grieve is to be normal, to miss someone is normal and natural. And it's healthy to express uh, in words or as tears that you're missing someone, that you are uh, you are actually grieving for the person and uh, and to talk about that. And to actually acknowledge that emotion is, is, I think, very important and essential. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's important, too, for, like you were saying, for adults. I mean, if we're, if we're not modeling us, you know, processing emotions and having emotions, then it's, you know, going to be hard for kids to do that. And so I, I think that, like, in my, at least in my household growing up, I felt like this, there was sort of this idea that, you know, shielding me you know from like my parents having emotions was like helping and helpful in some way like you know they were protecting me Mm -hmm. by not you know letting me know what was going on with them and I think I think it was you know coming from a, a good place obviously but I think that it uh it made me kind of not see my parents as people. Like I didn't realize my parents were people. And so I was like in my twenties and I was like, wait a minute, they're people with feelings. I see through you. Um, and I, you know, and I think that that also is detrimental to me in some ways of not, you know, I didn't have the model of, of processing of how to process my emotions and that it was okay to be sad and not like my parents ever told me don't cry, you know, or don't be sad, um, which is the case for some people. But uh, you know, it just, I think that it's important just like anything else that we show kids how to do it right mm-hmm. and especially how you deal with it and showing them maybe yeah mom or maybe dad or in your case the nanny needs a little bit of time to just deal with it because it can be random and that way kids can understand hey it's okay if i once in a while just for no reason that they know of feel sad yeah, I can, I, I, can, I can go take some time for myself because I think that mm-hmm. happens to all of us, especially in stressful times. You just 
you're happy, happy, happy. And then you don't think there's a reason for it, but most likely um, you feel sad. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And now it's time for some announcements. So first of all, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you know that we wouldn't get anything about our listeners because then we just be talking to the void and that's no fun. Um, all right. Just a couple of announcements today. First of all, thank you so much to everybody who donated and shared um, for my computer fundraiser. I have some good news and that is we're able to raise enough money to get a laptop. So that means that hopefully uh, episodes should be more on time uh, moving forward. So thank you for your patience during that time. Our next announcement is that we are actually doing a little contest. We're going to be doing a drawing for several free children's books, and it'll be one of the books that we've talked about on the show or a book that we highly recommend. So all you have to do is go on our Apple Podcasts page or on our Facebook page and just leave us a rating and review, and you will automatically be entered uh, for the children's book drawing. So good luck, and uh, hopefully, hopefully there'll be good reviews. <laughs> I'm hoping you're here that you're enjoying uh, what we do. Um, so that's about it for special announcements. Uh, now it's just the regular stuff. So as you know, you can follow us at Radchild Podcast uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to reach out to us, you could do so at radchildpodcast at gmail.com or you can go on our website, www.radchildpodcast.com and go to the contact section. In that section, you'll also find information about how to be a guest if you're interested in doing that. Um, what else? Oh, if you would like to join the ranks of Emma, Kai, and Alex and be a patron, um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bradchild Podcast. And uh, if you're not familiar with uh, Patreon, basically it allows you to give a monthly donation for as little as a dollar a month. You can receive some awesome rewards like bloopers, Discord access, care packages, personalized book recommendations, books sent to your door every couple of months. Um, so if any of that sounds exciting to you, or if you'd just like to support us out of the goodness of your heart, if you're able, uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash Bradchild Podcast. Last but not least, um, our Etsy store is happening. So you can check that out at www.etsy.com um, and just search Bradchild Podcast. Uh, we have buttons, postcards, stickers, all kinds of cool stuff, and hopefully uh, this year we're actually reaching our one-year anniversary soon, which is very exciting. So hopefully we'll have some more talk soon as well. All right, that's about it for me, and now uh, let's hear it from Rebecca and Crystal. Do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values? Have you ever thought you found the perfect book, but when you got it home, it completely missed the mark? Shift Book Box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages 3 to 8, built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators. Each box features two beautiful picture books as well as expertly crafted discussion guides. We know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics, and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations. We find the books... We provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD. RADCHILD. All one word. RADCHILD. RADCHILD. For 10% off your first order. Shift Book Box. Q.
Curating little libraries, cultivating big change. Um, so this is actually, uh, I had put out a post, if you know, for uh, for listeners, if anybody had any questions. And so this is actually a listener question. Uh, and they were, they were curious how, um, I mean, always, but especially during this time, how we can help children build resilience and, you know, resilience, meaning that, you know, the capacity to recover quickly from, you know, tough times or difficulties. I would think if we can continue on from the emotional aspect of it, um, the sooner they learn that it's okay to process these emotions, I think that's going to help them learn how to cope better in the future and cope in a healthy manner. Mm. I just feel so strongly about like letting kids feel their emotions. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I know it sounds like a silly basic thing, but I, you know, I think a lot of times we're not even thinking about it. And for example, uh, like again, I'm working with toddlers, so it's, it's always where my frame of reference is, but I think sometimes a kid will fall and will be like, you're fine. And I'm like, well, if they're, upset about it let's just let them be upset about it it's okay um and i think we're trying to be comforting but sometimes we can in trying to comfort kids we can sort of disregard and invalidate feelings um and so like for in that example i might say like oh like that you know if i know for example a kid fell and like they're totally okay it was you know i'll say oh that must have been surprising you know, mm-hmm. you were like standing and then all of a sudden you were on the floor <laughs> you know um and uh and so I think, I think that that, you know, it's just a really, it's really important. Right. Yeah. I think just being honest and having all the uncomfort- uncomfortable conversations, uh, it could be, it could be about uh, the future. It could be about the past. Uh, just talking about how we have as a humanity, as a species dealt with this sort of a thing before, how are we dealing with it now? How, things could change in the future, uh, addressing all the emotions that come with it, all the discomfort, all the frustration or helplessness. Mm. Uh, and I think that eventually builds resilience in kids. But if we try to sugarcoat things, be uh, mm. knock and take, try to sweep things under the rug, then I personally think it it just uh, gives them an illusion that things are okay and yeah. later on cripples them uh, the need of the hour i think it can also hurt trust you know if if you're you know you're saying like you were telling me that it was okay and it's not okay or you were telling me it was one way and it's not i think that that you know and again i think it's coming from a place of wanting to protect um and shelter but i i think that just you know again in age appropriate ways just honesty is always totally yes best answer yes (laughs) um i I also wanted to share, going back to emotions a little bit, um, there was actually a really lovely resource that I just found like an hour ago. Um, it's funny, I was posting my resource list on a couple of Facebook groups, and then I stumbled upon this one. I was like, yeah, got to add it. Keep finding things. But um, there's a, a really great, um, it's like a little COVID-19 time capsule. And it's basically, oh, you know, yeah. like a like a little booklet that kids can fill out. And it's like, you know, hey, you're living through history. Like, let's, you know, like a little time capsule. Let's like take some photos from today or you can journal something or take a newspaper clipping or whatever. But there's, and you know, it's sort of like an all about me type thing, but there's a page that is specifically just about feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's like a little face and you can fill in and words to describe how I feel. And like, what have I learned from this experience? Or like, what am I excited to do when it's over? Um, and I, I appreciated that, uh, 
that invitation to talk about our, our feelings, but also like, what a fun activity. I want to do it kind of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might just make one with my wife and my bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Oh my gosh. I think I, I think I saw the same worksheet online. And I thought that was a great idea. Because I remember, yeah. I remember in kindergarten for myself, whenever I made those little daily diary type things, um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's something fun to look back on, even a few years later. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Even if it was really difficult at the time, then you can kind of remem- remember those emotions, I guess. And it also helps, it helps the kids see what they're feeling and really think about it in the moment, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's rare that we would just sit down and be like, so how are you feeling right now? (laughs) You know? And so I think it's kind of an interesting exercise to do to be like, huh. And you know, it's funny. I I remember as an adult who, you know, is in therapy, like sometimes my, my therapist would ask me like, you know, well, how, how do you feel when that happens? And I'm like, I don't even know. Like, you know, it's hard. Like, and I was never taught to like feel my feelings. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't even know what I'm feeling right now. And so I think it's also just such an interesting exercise to just periodically ask. It's like, Hey, like, how are you feeling right now? You know, sort of grow that, um, you know, exercise that. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think, especially as adults, everybody's just been taught to respond. I'm fine. To that question anytime. Because yeah, you don't actually yeah. have the real words, nor do you right. have the time to explain exactly what you're feeling at that moment. So you just like, <laughs> sometimes you yeah. on as rude if you don't say I'm fine, right? You can't be it's, honest. It's, yeah. Yeah. They don't have the time for it. Yeah. <laughs> when your cashier asks you how you are today and you're like, well, let me tell you, my recording didn't go well. And, you know. <laughs> pull, out, pull out your diary and slam yes, it on the cashier's my, desk. <laughs> yes, right. Oh, my gosh. Um but yeah, I, I, so I thought that was kind of a cool little resource. I'm so excited that I just keep finding things. People are just... People you know, are really active oh, right now. And yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. It, it's it's really cool. I've been trying to do a little bit more for that, just because it's it's inspiring to see so many people producing so many it resources. It really is. Um, but at any rate, shifting gears a little bit to a little bit more fun, um, I, I'm curious if uh, either of you have thoughts of either ways that you found to, to make quarantine fun uh, or thoughts that you have about, about how you could make quarantine with kids fun. For myself, I've been doing a lot of projects and if I had kids around, I would definitely just involve them in these projects. Um, if not little home improvement projects, I've been doing a lot of drawing and such and mm-hmm. making up little stories just to put away for later, I guess. And I think kids would really enjoy that as well, especially if you, actually seriously took notes down for them and had them play a role in that kids are awesome storytellers oh yeah they come up with wild stuff (laughs) i've actually i've actually been considering getting a lot of people to send me their kids um craziest stories and just illustrating those stories as accurately as possible wow that's cool (laughs) that's it's so funny that you said that because i was just I was just going to say that I've, uh, that's an exercise that I do with kids when I'm babysitting t- sometimes and I'm bored and we're all, if we're all drawing or something, I'll be like, tell me what to draw. And they'll be like a unicorn riding a dinosaur <laughs> and the sun is jelly beans. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> it's great fun. It's great yeah, fun. It is. <laughs> and it's so detailed. Sorry, go on. So, so in our family, making it fun is, uh, what we've been trying to do is to sort of do everything together. So mm. typically uh, on a weekend when we are crunched for time, uh, 
sometimes we might do uh, not do everything together, right? Like my husband and I might do something else and the kids might be do, doing something else. But now it's like we, whether they like it or not, we all do the stuff together. So we are also learning sometimes. We are doing something for each other. Um, so if it's like my teenagers teaching me yoga poses from her ballet lessons. <laughs> uh, we are gardening together, even reading for that matter. Uh, now that they're mm-hmm. older kids, we most likely read our own stuff. But now my daughter has been reading aloud to the family. So we sit around after Aww. dinner and she's reading a book uh, that we are all enjoying. And we look forward to that activity every evening after dinner so that sort of a thing is actually fun because there are sometimes things that we don't like to do uh, and we still we are like oh okay I guess we are all doing it then and then we find out that it's actually a lot funner than we thought (laughs) so awesome so that's what we've been up to to trying to make it more fun right like this morning my husband started a project of like he loves birds so he wants to take pictures mm. of birds uh, in a backyard and my son wants to build a bird feeder and then my mm. daughter is going to be the research person so now all of us are getting involved in this Aww. project which on a normal weekend we would be like okay you take the pictures like you know i'm doing something else sort of a thing so oh, that's which is awesome cool. yeah yeah, I think I, I also have found just finding, you know, just like being a little creative and finding ways to make things a little bit exciting. Like, for example, uh, instead of, you know, every day after nap, they have a snack and we usually sit at the table and eat a snack and they don't have a backyard. They live in a condo. So the other day uh, we went out to the balcony and uh, we put out a blanket and I got out their little tea set and we had a tea party and that was our <laughs> snack. I made, mm-hmm. they love tea. I've, I'm a big tea fan. And so I made them, or we made herbal tea mm-hmm. and we, you know, I just cooled it a little bit and put it in their little teapot and we had like, you know, some little cookies and that was our snack. And we just had a little tea party on the balcony and it was like, you know, it kept them busy for like an hour as opposed to a five minute snack because it was something fun and different. And we were on the balcony and, and um, similar. Similarly, a friend of mine who I was talking with this morning was saying he his daughter is almost four and he did like a fancy they had like a fancy dinner all day. He was like, We're gonna have a fancy dinner, okay? We're gonna we're gonna get dressed up and you know they lit candles and you know, they made it like a thing. And I think it's just about, you know, sort of being being creative and uh go on Pinterest, man. That's where I get all my ideas. <laughs> I think I mean I think for even adults as well, then just the other week I made a fort with my partner and we yes. just it just for fun. <laughs> Yeah. Forts are so right. good. It was amazing. I we got forts. We went insane. We took all the sheets in the house, all the pillows. That's amazing. The table, the couch, everything. It was uncomfortable, but amazing. I'm kind of jealous. I feel like I need to go make a fort now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another fun thing you could do with kids too. Make a fort. Forts are awesome. I think that's one of the things game. that was in your book, right? I think it that was, was one of the examples. I couldn't leave it out just because <laughs> well, I've just done it. And I think that's one of the, honestly, again, I'm sorry, I don't mean to embarrass you, but one of the things, another one of the things that I really liked about your book was the idea that it's, it was one of the only books that I found that wasn't just explaining, okay, this is, this is what's happening. This is why it is, but how can we have fun? Like, what are some ways that we can have fun? Um, it isn't all, you know, doom and gloom. Uh, and I, so, I didn't, I didn't want to end on a sad note. Right. I wanted to end on a joyful <laughs> note. Uh, and so I, I appreciate that kind of, perspective and I think a lot of people have been sort of trying to shift shift the perspective a little bit because it's just it's just too sad 
to be like, it's going to be like this forever. It's terrible. We have to think there's some hope and we can have fun. And, you know, if you, if you, if you forget to wash your hands once you're the reason. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. That's, Hey, that's one thing I've taken out of this is I seriously know how to wash my hands now. My boss is, my boss is a nurse and she literally sat me down and was like, I'm teaching you how to wash your hands. And I was like, okay. have you, have you seen that activity of the nurse who put the paint on her fingers? Yes. It's that, so that's, that was the video that my boss sent me. Um, and I can, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, yeah. but yeah, there's this great, there's this great video where a nurse put, uh, they had gloves on and then they put black paint on their hands so that they could show you how to get all the spots on mm-hmm. your hands. It's um, an awesome video. See it really clearly. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's so funny. When else would a hand washing video go viral except for now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet the nurse had actually recorded that years ago because she was tired of people not washing their hands. She just re-released it now. Thank yeah, you. Finally, it's vital now. Yeah, it's my time. <laughs> um, I also saw this other great video of a father putting pepper in the water. Yeah, I touch the pepper. Yeah, right, right. Um, I love that one. I was going to mention that. Um, oh, if, if one of you could link me to that, that would be great. I'd love to share that I, one. I don't have the link. I don't think, but he. It, but then the child put soap on their hands. Yeah. Um, and the pet bird just ran away. It just ran away like the germs run away. But yeah, that's that's. I love resources like that. Or there's also, um, in order to you know teach kids about germs, slightly messy, and it will be there forever. Uh, but you can use glitter, um, and you can put it you know on the kids' hands, and then show like if you shake hands, how it, they transfer to mm-hmm. someone else's hands. But prepare to have glitter on your hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My partner's not been teaching for four weeks, and I still find glitter everywhere. So. Uh huh. Yep. I, I used to work at a children's museum and I would work there sort of on and off on weekends and, uh, and my other jobs were not childcare related at the time. And I would be like, it's been three weeks since I worked. How is there still glitter on my stuff? <laughs> um, but, uh, but anyway, um, I'm, you know, obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, like we were saying this, you know, whole situation has been very stressful and there have been a lot of hard things about it, but is there anything sort of positive that you've taken away from it? Um, for me, I think the biggest takeaway is that as a, as a species, we have all learned to empathize, right? Empathy is the biggest Mm -hmm. thing that I think we have learned, uh, everything from like not having enough food, not having a home, not having our like, uh, luxuries that we are so used to every day, what it is to be alone, what it is to be sick, what it is to lose someone, Everything. I think uh, there's nothing. We talk about it, but now that this has happened, I think we all at some level have learned to empathize with, Mm. uh, to deal with something uh, or the other. So Mm -hmm. I think that's been one of the positives for me. Yeah, my a friend of mine who has a chronic illness that prevents them from leaving the house often, uh, you know, was posted something today on Facebook that was something along the lines of, you know, every time I, you know, before this, when I say I can't go outside, people are like, you know, oh, you're so lucky you get to stay in, you know, home all day. And now all of you are starting to understand that being trapped in your house all day right, isn't just right. you know, buckets of fun. And it's a little bit of, you know, that uh, understanding of different people's experiences through, through this. 
totally sure. what, it, what it is to be confined right what it is to feel yeah. like i think at some level we are all learning that uh right um for me for me the biggest takeaway take or the coolest thing i've seen happen here is how much the community has come together here mm-hmm. uh, within the first week of quarantine or not even quarantine yet but the university had been shut down one week into the semester mind you <laughs> um the entire facebook community of where i'm living created a new group that was neighbors helping neighbors and they were offering Aww. any older people anyone that can't go out they said just leave a note outside your door saying what you need maybe some cash if you can and we'll deliver it to you if you know of anyone that needs help if you are somebody that needs help please don't hesitate to ask for help and i just thought that was really lovely to see um because in austria it's a little bit it's not such a tight-knit society it's Mm -hmm. um by american standards i think you would say it's cold but in times of need Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. really come together Mm-hmm. And it's really nice. That's beautiful to be able to witness something like that. Yeah, I will say too that I think just like we were talking about how people are just coming out and you know making all these free resources, and people are just coming and you know coming together in uh, you know in practical ways, like you know helping each other out when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, to you know doing things like I don't know. Uh, this is at least in in Montreal. It's been a thing, and I've seen posts about that it's happening in some other places in the world, but there's a big movement here where people, everybody puts, has, puts a rainbow up in their window and uh, it says, everything's going to be okay. Um, and my wife and I made a big glittery one because we had to be like those people. Uh, hey, everybody, was, everybody likes those people. So it's good. <laughs> it's funny. My, and we, we were actually, my wife was walking back from the grocery store the other day and she overheard a kid like, that's the best rainbow. And we were like, yes, we won. That's what this is about. Um, <laughs> no. But, uh, but it's, it's really sweet. Like it, you, or even when I go on walks with the kids, like we'll count the rainbows, we'll try and find them. Um, but it's just in these, these ways of just people coming together, uh, even when we're apart, I think is really beautiful. Well, for the first week here, every evening at 6 p.m., just like in Italy, uh, they played music mm. through the windows. Because here it was total quarantine. You weren't allowed to leave the house except for four reasons. Wow. So it was intense. And even now you have to wear masks at the shops. But it was really nice to hear that every night at 6 p.m., just everybody mm. playing I Am From Austria <laughs> um, outside their <laughs> windows. It's a funny, funny uh, song. I would highly recommend it. <laughs> But it, 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 it is nice. It is, <laughs> it is nice to hear things like that, see people supporting each other in any way they can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we're sort of wrapping things up, uh, do you have, I know I, I mentioned a couple throughout and we talked a little bit about stuff, but do you have any recommendations for resources, you know, for talking to kids about this, whether uh, it's books, videos, websites, whatever, it could be anything. And in fact, if you have stuff for adults too, that's also fine. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure if this is about talking to kids, but in general, uh, in terms of resources for learning, books and stuff, a lot of publishers right now putting out uh, videos uh, based on their books, mm-hmm. So, which means that the topics could be anything. I know I just made a video on uh, talking to kids about uh, uh, a difficult situation. So so my publisher, Penny Candy Books, is putting that out. So there are diverse themes on which uh, these resources are built on. So uh, authors are making websites and uh, 
learning materials free and books also free. Uh, there's one called the Society uh, of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, the organization for uh, writers and authors, and they have come up with a digital directory for remote learning resources, which has mm-hmm. uh, activities, art lessons, uh, book readings, uh, teaching guides, podcasts, uh, author visits, virtual visits and workshops. And there's also like an emotional and mental well-being uh, a section. So that could be a helpful resource for educators, homeschooling, parents, caregivers, uh, that sort of a thing. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you for sharing those. That's a really That's cool a really resource. Um, yeah. I think besides what I've mentioned so far, uh, I actually sent you the link to that video I mentioned earlier. Oh, amazing. I, I, think, I think in general, people are com- it won't be very difficult to find really good resources right now. Um, just check your local, even Facebook groups for parents or something, and you'll see loads of resources that people are creating every single day, along with the books that are on this podcast list, I think. I can't really think of any others right now. Yeah, there's, I, I try to, to be as uh, comprehensive as possible, but you could find that, um, you can find that list on uh, radchildpodcast.com under book recs. Um, and there it's, there's also, there's, uh, what do you call it? There's books, there's videos, there's um, sort of miscellaneous section where that cool little time capsule activity is and I'm updating it every day. Uh, and if you have any other resources, please send them to me. I'd love to add them to this list. Um, and they can also be things that are sort of tangentially related. Like the breaking news wasn't necessarily made for, you know, this pandemic, but it fits the bill. Um, so anything like that. Um, I actually just thought of one more. Um, so I'm going to be participating in this very soon, actually. There's a woman that has been doing children's book readings. So various authors Mm. record themselves reading their storybooks Mm -hmm. live on Facebook, which are of course available afterwards. And week by week, she's just been having these authors come in and act as if they're actually talking directly to the child while reading the story. Mm. It is meant for children in hospitals, but you know, anyone at home as well. And I think that's another really good resource that it just, it's a bunch of stories for free and it's really nice outside interaction. I think. That's awesome. Do you know where, where uh, that can be found? Yes. I can actually, if you want to put the link on your website or something. Perfect. I'll put the link in the show notes. Then I'll send it to you. Um, And I, I definitely out of, uh, sort of out of all, all of the books, um, obviously we've talked about Stay Inside Little Mouse. I highly, that's, that's sort of my favorite general one. And then, it, it, sorry, it is, I'm going to embarrass you. Um, but I also, because it has the positive, like none of the other books to me had like a positive ending. And I, I didn't like that. <laughs> uh, they're a little more didactic. They're a little more just like what's happening right now. Why do I have to stand? You know, those kinds of things. Um, and the coronavirus, a book for children, um, uh, is, are the two that I sort of highly, and be, well, that's no, now I'm just going to say all of them and be a coronavirus fighter. Those, I would say those three are like my tops, um, that I definitely recommend. And there's, uh, there's a number of other ones for younger kids as well. Um, but definitely check out that list. I won't just read you 10 titles right now. Um, I'm trying to think what else there are any other resources. I feel like those are there. And like you were saying, there's, um, 
I'm going to add that. I want to see that pepper video now. I'm excited. <laughs> I love experiments like that. It's so fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, those kinds of experiments and things are so fun too. And kids love them. I mean, I loved um, it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, just as we're, as we're closing up here, do you have any, anything, uh, any personal projects, uh, either you know, uh, your books or other things that you're working on um, and where can people find you on social media or the internet if you want to be found? <laughs> um, for me, I'm on Instagram. Not all of my illustrations are for children's books because I'm a general mm-hmm. illustrator. Um, but I can be found on there at Minuscule Deviations. And in the future, I'm hoping to release yet another book about, awesome. I can't give too much, I can't give too much away. But it's basically about a small colony of monk ninja cool fairies. So <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, besides that, those are my only projects at the moment, but they're keeping me busy enough. Amazing. So my debut children's book in the U.S. came out last year. It's called The Yellow Suitcase, and uh, it is about a. Uh, bicultural child uh, grieving the loss of her dear grandmother. Um, so I think I ta- we've talked about it, but I strongly believe that emotional literacy is something that we need to teach kids um, and talk about in our families and classrooms and mm-hmm. schools. And so this book is great for that. Uh, and uh, I have another book coming out uh, in August of uh, 2020, this year later, and it's called A Gift for Amma. And it's about, uh, it's it's set in an outdoor market in India. And it's about uh, a child trying to find the perfect gift for her mother. And the illustrations are glorious. It's it's illustrated by Mariona Kabasa, who lives in Barcelona. And she, just an explosion of colors. So I'm excited for that book. And I have another one coming out um, in spring 2021. It's called Between Two Worlds. And it's a picture book biography of a feminist, uh, an author, I mean, sorry, an artist of color um, who is uh, also very inspiring in so many ways. So I'm excited for that project as well. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I I definitely am going to have to get my hands on some of those. Um, I I was kind of, I mean, I I will still add it when I make my general list, but I was bummed that I found out about your book right after I did Grief as a topic. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, uh, But uh, just one more thing. I think I didn't mention where uh, more information on my books or my background could be found. Uh, So uh, my website is www.meerashriram.com. Meera, M-E-E-R-A. Shriram, S-R-I-R-A-M. So meerashriram.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All links on my website. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I also, before I forget, I knew there was the other two um, resources that I wanted to mention were I'm in two Facebook groups that are generally just for parents. And one is called Coronavirus Parents Parenting in a Pandemic. And the other one is Parents (laughs) Keeping Sane During Coronavirus. Um, (laughs) And those are both just great resources uh, for kind of uh, a lot of ideas of different things to do, venting, uh, you know, resources and things like that. Um, and just parents from all over the world. So those have been, uh, been nice, uh, little solidarity. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And, uh, I hope that the rest of, uh, the rest of this wild time goes okay for you. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Seth. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for making this uh, space and time for this important conversation. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. And remember, stay rad. Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network.